Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and get started listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM to get started now. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to On the Break, the Bielitsa Rip James Harden's Guts Out at the Buzzer Edition. It's J-Mac and Kyle Beats. Kyle, what's going on, my man? What's up, man? That was a uh, a crazy shot from my man Bielitsa, straight up out of, uh, I think, Serbia as well. You know, I'm surprised you even caught that as much as you hate watching James Harden and the Rockets play basketball. Dude, so you want to know how I uh, how I stumbled across this? Last Tell night, me. I was stumbling through uh, the league pass and, you know, just seeing what games were on. I just finished the Celtics game, and that was the only game that was left, and it only had like a minute 24 left. So I was like, eh, I'm not going to not. That's the best part about league pass. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not going to not watch basketball. So I turned it on and watched the last, you know, minute and but like minute of the game. And, you know, of course, that took like 15 minutes with timeouts and, you know, that whole thing and fouls and whatnot. And we got to a game game winner and i just i love seeing the rockets get their hearts ripped out i fucking hate that team dude yeah i mean it was a big it was a big shot i like seeing that too honestly and they played terrible like what was the score on that like 90 let me pull it up 93 or 93 92 it was a low scoring game uh josh vg who we're sadly missing tonight uh, he'll be back with us soon after he finishes up some uh some final stuff but he pointed out that the kings were trapping james harden as soon as he came across half court which we've seen them trap teams trap 35 40 feet out but i mean this was 46 Dude. feet out like right at half court just trapping forcing somebody else uh to get the ball and you you would think that's why you got westbrook right is to expose that four on three and be able to get to the hoop or yeah. draw attention and kick as he goes up definitely and that's something that they've been lacking because they don't really play three-dimensional basketball that's just so one-dimensional and it doesn't really there's just there's no movement, there's none of that. And so like you've got to break out of that a little bit. And like that's the key to guarding James Harden is just keep him locked up from like the very, very beginning. Just get in his face and make it difficult because he's used to kind of that superstar type, you know, little bit of leeway you get, you know, like LeBron right. carrying the ball across half court type leeway. And, you know, you don't expect for guys to be right up in your face, but that's what you gotta do. Yeah. It's true. And he's going to take a million shots. So, I mean, the more that you can disrupt the the flow of things, the better off you're going to be, I think. I agree. And, I mean, that's what, why we've talked about it here. And we're going to talk about some new teams tonight. I know we've been focusing on a lot of these top Western Conference teams, the Bucks, and But this is why we talked about, you know, the Rockets being sustainable in the playoffs. I think they could still get to the second round pretty easily. But I'm, we'll have to see how that plays out. Because if you can just trap James Harden, and no one else is going to beat you. I mean, it's a pretty easy 
pretty easy thing to do in a seven game series. It just kind of surprised. It doesn't surprise me that Luke Walton was the one that kind of has figured that out. I, I I guess I'm surprised that he seems to be the one that's ahead of how to slow them down because. Well, a few I mean, other teams have done it, just not to yeah. the excessive degree that the the Kings did last night. I mean, this was a one nineteen one eighteen game still, so there was still a oh, lot. Okay, of I was looking at. Sorry, I was thinking of the uh, the Raptors score that was in the nineties last night. Yeah, yeah, for sure, it was a one point game as well. And it just it, but it ground on, and it, it just like I mean, James Harden took a million shots. I'm looking it up right now. Um, yeah, he wasn't particularly good from the the field, but. That's like I said, that's just a team I'm not I'm not ready to buy into. A team that I'm starting to buy into. Wait, real quick. I was gonna give you okay. before you go. Give me there. James Harden's, give me James Harden's ridiculous line. Three of ten from three point range. Okay. And eight of nineteen. That's not that bad from the field. I mean, that's not great. Forty two percent. Forty two percent. Yeah. That's I mean that's forty two and thirty. That's pretty much right on par. Nineteen shots is actually I think he's shooting like 24 a game right now. Dude, yeah, he shoots a lot more I mean, than that. How many dude. free throws did he shoot last night? He had eight free th- He went eight for eight free throws. So, like, he's, yeah, that's still, he's always he's been a, a good free throw shooter. Yeah, that's a, a little less volume than, for him, though, because he's, he's averaging like 12 free throws a game. It's out of control. Yeah, he's basically sure. just setting a new record every year of number of threes taken, number of free throws taken. That's true. I mean, Russ had 34 points himself. He went 13 of 17 from the field. That's and incredible. Was, he was. I, I didn't watch all that game. I came in late too and shot fifty percent from three point range. So that's that's not terrible. No, I mean that's thirteen that's, for seventeen is the best shooting night of Russell Westbrook's last three seasons, probably seventy six and a half percent. I mean, it's pretty that's good. The, that's the best he shot in the last three seasons. I can guarantee it, and with fifty percent from three, especially. And he, I mean, he capitalized, but I mean, we got to look at the assisted turnovers. I mean, something didn't click there because I mean, this is the Kings. This is not an elite defensive team. So think about if the the Clippers do that to you, you know how how are you going to react to that? That's true. I mean, I'm looking at this Sacramento team. I mean, it's got it. it I, I'm. It's one of those things. Like I'm not surprised it doesn't work, but I'm also kind of surprised it doesn't work. Just yeah. given the names and like, I mean, Buddy Heald's pretty good. Darren you know, Fox. Darren Fox. Harrison Barnes is a serviceable. A They're overpaying him, but he's a good. He's sure. a starter in the NBA. He can be your fourth best player, I think, on a Finals team. How, how many points do you think he had in this Houston game? Harrison, Barnes. I was, I'm going to say eight based on the way you just asked that no, question. No, no, just think about the typical Harrison Barnes night. How often? How much? How, what would you say if you just think of Harrison Barnes? How many points has he put up at a given night? Eighteen. 19 points. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's no I mean, different than he's ever been. Right, that's what he did for us. But that he can be the fourth best team on a really good fourth best player on a really good team. Dude, I mean, I'll take twenty points a night. There's nothing wrong with that, but not for the he, he doesn't do a whole lot else. But I mean, I like Darren Fox, I like Bagley. You know, they lost Willie Colley Stein, but they have some good they've got they have y- some good players. Um Yogi uh, Farrell's there. Yadovich. So I mean, they got a pretty good team out there. I just I don't know if it's gonna take some more time because it's still a relatively young team. Maybe it's going to take more time with Luke Walton to try to develop those guys, but it just watching them on a nightly basis. There's a lot of inconsistency. I've watched them play four or five times this year. There's a lot of up and downs, and it's just kind of one of those teams that I don't know if it's going to get over over the hump. Like I thought they were going to be kind of where the Mavs were at this year, right? Like that's how I saw yeah. this season playing out. Them all kind of in the seven through ten range, and the Mavs have taken a huge leap forward, and the Kings have just not. Hmm. It, it, it concerns me though because it's you can't get off to a slow start. You you can get off to a slow start. You just can't get off 
too slow of a start, and it doesn't feel like the Kings have really done that. And so it's like you get the reason you can get off to a slow start is in a long season you can sustain that and you know pick up some steam and and go right. from there versus like starting out really hot and flaming out. That's what I worry about for the Mavericks, and it could be end up being the opposite for the Kings, where they just kind of come as a steady on, you know guy as they keep on moving towards the playoffs like that that could happen so I, I wonder about that a little bit because I do think Luke Walton hasn't gotten the credit he's deserved is that I mean does I don't know dude like no, I think I think I don't think he's over or underrated per se I think he's kind of properly rated and it's kind of an incomplete grade honestly I mean we still yeah. you know okay you went 34 and 4 38 and 4 something like that with an incredible Golden State team great and you know, bad season with the Lakers last year, but there's a lot of a lot of BS going on. Yeah. I mean, that was a hard situation to that, be in. That's a wash to me. That doesn't right. hurt, help or hurt right. anything. And then, I mean, you know, I had high expectations, like I said, for this Kings team. They're in the nine slot, but they're 10 and 13, not a great record. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how it plays out. It's an incomplete grade for me at this point. But yeah, but they, I mean, you've got to think, like, it's a lot of young guys. It's a lot of pieces to move around. It's... You know, it is his first year there, so he's still trying to figure out a lot of what he's got in these guys. And it's not like Vlade is this just <sighs> magical GM, right? I mean, bro, that story about him passing on Luca because he didn't like his dad might be the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Dude, it's not like a Lonzo Ball type situation either. It's not like out of control like that. And it's like that's your that's another European dude. I thought he was gonna pull the trigger there because I mean, I think some guys they're still you know, a certain connotation or certain, you know, Euros are starting to get more respect and it obviously started with Dirk and now there's a lot of Euros sprinkled in the league and a lot of great shooters, but they're still, I think, kind of underrated. Yeah. That, and, I, and I think that's why he went Bagley, which I've heard, wow. I've heard Simmons and Kevin O'Connor talk about this. Aiton I get, right? Like Aiton was yeah, that that's... kind of athletic talent where I still think Luke is going to end up being the better pick, but it, you can convince me that Aiden was a better pick prior to that draft happening. Absolutely. You really couldn't have convinced me about that about Marvin Bagley, though. No, I like Jared Jackson more than Marvin Bagley. Josh and I both did. I think you were you were on that train. Me and Josh really studied that draft a lot. And we I all didn't did. Get yeah, that. that was our first draft, and I think we had, I think we all had him easily in the top five versus uh, Bagley. Luca, like no, we Luke. no. I think all of us had him too. I had Luca too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We both, I think we all did. And I had Jared Jackson above Bagley. I have to go back and look at it, but I, I was not as high on, on Bagley. Yeah. I wasn't high on Trey Young either, though. And I was kind of, I, I could say I'm wrong about that. I mean, he's still got a lot of holes and that team stinks out loud, but Bro. he's putting up, I mean, he's what, fourth or fifth in the league in scoring, and he's actually got pretty efficient percentages. They're better than James Harden's. Yeah. I mean, but. I don't know. I just I don't think that. I mean, he'll it's shoot a the terrible trade. Don't it's a terrible trade, dude. He shoots the lights out, but Luca is. I mean, you know, he's carrying. But it's not like it's not like there. they traded him and they ended up with like, you know, Hashim to beat or some of these <laughs> other guys we've just seen or Darko Milicic. Like they ended up with a bum, yeah. right? Like you still got a guy that's fifth in the league in scoring in a second year, and he's twenty, twenty one. Yeah, man, it's gonna be great whenever he walks out the door on Atlanta and goes and signs a max deal eh. with the fucking Lakers or something. Atlanta's kind of like a quote on it's a, not a big market or a small market, really. It's a medium market. I think they can keep him there. I was thinking about that yesterday. I, I think there's only really like eight true big markets in my mind, and I think it's just easier to keep guys there. But 
Dude, I mm, you're not a big believer in that as much as no, I am. No, dude, I, I've been I've spent a good amount of time in Atlanta, and, the, and like people are really not loyal to any particular team there. No, yeah, I guess that's true. Sa- guess sans true. the Braves, I they would don't say. fall in that one of the eight true big markets to me, though. No, no, but like Miami does, even though the population's not that high. It's just Miami, right? And like right. I think that's easy to retain guys there. It's very true, but I just I I just wonder though, like if you don't. I don't really know. So let's look at the their roster. I haven't even really looked much at the Hawks roster in general. We're just going to bounce around and talk about teams we. Dude, have I've watched. Out. I've watched a lot of Hawks this year, and you know you're expecting, of course, Trey Young to make a step. He has not defensively. He still he sees the floor so well. I think that's another really underrated aspect of his game is his passing ability, but also just kind of his vision and IQ. Uh, turnovers need to come down a little bit, but that's true for a lot of guys that are getting high touch right now. Um, I was Cam, really- Red- Cam Reddish is there. I, he has not looked great. Um, John Collins is he's fine. He just hasn't really taken that jump forwards to where oh. I thought he could maybe be an all star player. Your boy Chandler Parsons is on this roster. Awesome. Oh, they're still they're pay- at least some. I mean, somebody's paying him. They and they have Alan Crabb, so they have two of the worst five contracts in the NBA. Congratulations. Um, but I mean, th- dude, this roster, I mean, I was been, really high on Alex Lynn for a long time. I really thought he would have been fun. a good fit for the Mavericks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we need, we need a big guy like that. I I, I don't hate that. That was, a um, li- I, I was really under that impression. That was a little bit before the Luca thing even came about. That was more like when Dennis Smith was there and stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Those were those like before were they times. even traded for Nerlens. Yeah. God, I mean, I'm so glad we're I'm so glad we're moving forwards from from all of that. We'll get into Nerlens here in a little while, whatever we get to OKC, because we definitely need to talk about OKC. Oh yeah, I want to talk about OKC, but I watched Atlanta play the other night. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, freak athlete, still trying to figure out his like true role and position in the uh, NBA, but he's going to be a good tweener. That's really athletic, a great defender, and, and get a lot of boards. And he he can score. It's just he can't really create for himself. Uh, Jabari Parker, they've been running it like I, when they, I watched him the other day. They were playing really small ball and had him at the five and, and four as well, but a lot of five where he's just basically trying to play this like rim running. It's a it's a weird role for him. So I I think they're really still trying to figure it out. And then of course they still got VC, bro. Still got Vince Carter. Dude, unbelievable. He's done after this year, right? I think, I think he is. so. I'm pretty sure he wanted to be like the have the longest tenure, and then he's going to be done. We're going to have yep. a Vince Carter retirement party on the show, whatever, whenever he fi- finally does throw in the towel. <laughs> I love dude, Vince Carter, dude. They have Evan Turner. I forgot about that too. I did, yeah, dude. He, I don't know if I saw him play the other day when I watched, but Evan Turner, one of his, I mean, he's one of the ten worst contracts in the NBA as well, too. I mean, wow, Atlanta's got a lot of bad. Bad deals. So some of those have to be expiring. I need to look on hoop side, but some of those have to be expiring because it seems like they're really holding themselves hostage with that uh Evan Turner that deal. kind of salary. Yeah, but I mean what I don't know if I, I would have to look at their cap situation because that could be falling off within two years and they're a little bit away that's from That's what being, I'm saying. They, these might be expiring. That's the only way yeah. it would really make makes sense to me. Like Evan Turner expires this year, right? Like that's why they have him on the team. You know, you know how much money Evan Turner makes a year? How much? 18 million. Holy moly. That's a bad deal for That's his a production. Really terrible deal. Right. So, I mean, and Chandler Parsons, I mean, good Lord. That's just a, I, I, he can't even step foot on a basketball court, right? Like he's, his ankles or, or knees or whatever, they're 
They're toast. Dude, I don't even know. Like, can that guy walk? I haven't I seen him. Know. I haven't seen him play basketball in five years. Man, aren't you glad the Mavericks didn't do that? Yeah, fuck that guy, man. He was, uh, he was the worst, <laughs> dude. He was like, I was really excited about him coming to Dallas when he did too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was super high on him. Where did he? He came from Houston, from right? Houston, yeah. They didn't yeah. match his offer sheet. Yeah, because he came out of Florida, and I actually didn't think he was going to be that good of a player, but ended up being a really good score, really good shooter, but made a glass, man. Dude, made a glass, and he, there he was very streaky. There were times where he went big time in and then there are times where he you know hit the front of the rim 17 times in a game it's just a lot right. of that kind of Dude, stuff he finally he finally expires this year he's getting 25 m's bro oh. <laughs> that should be illegal he's six nine two hundred that's insane that's so small Do you, could you imagine the like like being him right and knowing like okay i'm hurt i'm not gonna play basketball again so I'm going to go ahead and opt into my contract next year because I have a player option on it and uh, give me my paycheck, Memphis. You know, could you imagine? I, I don't. I just feel like something about that would feel somewhat wrong. I can't believe he hadn't like tr- tried to figure out like a buyout type situation. Dude, guess his career earnings. What are his? Oh God, dude, go for it. Hundred and two million. I would have thought a little bit more than that, honestly. Mm, yeah, but I mean, he only got the one big deal after his rookie deal where he's making like 800k for 3 years cuz he was a, Houston paid him 850, 888, 926. Jesus. He didn't play a whole lot for them though. He no, did, he, but he didn't. No, he did at the, he did in that last season. He was actually really good. Really? I don't remember him playing a whole lot for them. I thought he well, was that, more of like a sixth man type situation there. Yeah, he was he was a sixth man, but he okay. was still he was one of those sixth men like Lou Will style that gets like 27 minutes still. Got it. Yeah, like the real. Well, yeah, that's D'Antoni. No, that was was that still Kevin McHale at that point? I think that was McHale at that point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, you're looking you're looking at 102 million dollars, and the man played 438 NBA games. That's absurd. That's absurd. 232,000. We can stop talking about Chandler Parsons. That's 232,000 a game. That's insane. <laughs> For games he's not playing, and that's what I'm saying. Don't you feel guilty when no, you no, no, that includes chair? games he played. So he played 438. Okay, okay. I looked to his total earnings. So he, okay. for the, every game he played, he made a quarter million dollars. And this is before the salary cap really spiked. God Almighty, that's ridiculous. But yeah, but, man, I, I don't. It, this it feels like this Atlanta roster back to that is just a mixed bag of things, and they're. I mean, I guess that's <laughs> fine while you're trying to figure out what some of your young guys are, right? Like that's yeah. I mean, this kind of reminds me of the Kings a little bit. Like it's a hodgepodge kind of. I mean, it's a decent team on paper, but it's just not really translating. Right. The, I could see how there may not be a lot of team chemistry here as far as just style There's 6 and play. 17. I mean, that's bad. That's 261, bad. 1%. How many games has Trey played in this year? Uh, I don't think he's missed very many games, if any. I mean, maybe he's had a little bit of, you know, I'll, I'll pull it up and see how many he's played, but I think he's been pretty pretty healthy. I mean, Wasn't it's he just hurt for a little bit, I think. I'll take take a look at his total games play, but it's just that they they're really, really bad defensively. Well, yeah, he's playing he's playing twenty two games this year. Okay, all right. I so thought he was this hurt. one. Yeah, I thought he yep. was hurt for a little longer, but maybe it was. I feel like at one point he got hurt and they thought he was going to miss time, and maybe he's not. I can't remember. It's been a little bit now. No, they just can't defend anybody, and that's really their issue. Um, dude, I've been. I'll be honest, dude. I've been really impressed by by yourselves too. I just want to point out real quick that dude, they got really fucking good, Jalen. 20 points a game. Jason, 21-1. Kemba, 21-8. I 
I mean, to have those three guys, that's like ideally what you wanted, right? And Hayward right there at 18, and he'll probably get that up to where he's maybe the top, or maybe the second best scorer on the team. That's that's exactly what you want, though. Yeah, That's what you're not going to get with Kyrie is four guys averaging 20, all shooting decent percentages and just moving the ball moving in that system. Ball. Dude, absolutely. And I feel like that's where Brad Stevens' system really shines. It's it just does, in, man. in ball and, movement. And, dude, like, it was I, – I was watching – I know it's Cleveland – I mean, they've won. Cleveland's won five games. That team is terrible. We'll get into that. Hawks in have only won six, <laughs> dude. But that uh, I've seen. I had. Uh, I sat on the wood a couple weeks ago and saw them play Cleveland, and they were just humble flex, bro. Yeah, dude. Bro, well, I'm just saying. I no, saw just, the I'm, train wreck. I'm, I'm, I'm I saw the train wreck up close, and it was not pretty. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot to feel good about there. <laughs> no, so I, I realized that, but they beat them one ten to eighty eight, and dude. Jalen and Tatum were just vibing off each other, sharing the shots, sharing the impressive shots of wide open, you know, wide open boards and all that stuff. And I mean, you had, you know, Carson Edwards playing some some time. I mean, it's interesting because I think the biggest concern for us was like the big man situation. Ennis Canner is fine. And but it's like they're that'll moving. be a problem defensively in the playoffs, is what Josh is gonna tell you over and over. And I think he's right. And he's probably right. But like up to this point, though, like they've moved the ball so well that it hasn't mattered, and that that's what Golden State was built off of. Really, they were never it's really true. built off size. There's a little less talent. The only and I, I'm Definitely. with you. I think they're playing great basketball. I love you know I love Brad Stevens. I like all the guys on this team. I think they constructed it specifically for this system, kind of like the Ravens. You know, built that team around Lamar Jackson. This is they built this team for Brad Stevens' system, and. Obviously, Kemba fits better. Everything we're thinking about the chemistry is playing out. I just, I've really, the, where my, where I'm shocked is that Tatum and Brown are really taking this step forwards where they look like kind of younger version or you could say poor man's version or great, great value version of Kyrie and, or uh, Kawhi and PG 13. That's kind of who they remind me of. I mean, I think they're just a younger, less developed, a little more raw, maybe not the ceilings, but they're kind of like, a Paul George Kawhi tandem. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, dude. And they're they're. It, it's interesting too because like last night was the first night with Gordon Hayward back, and mm-hmm. like he plugged right back in, no problems. He's been out for six. That's weeks. That's a big deal. Yeah, he's been out for almost six weeks, and he plugged right back in. I mean, he didn't play. Let me look at his line, but like he didn't play like a full night or anything like that. But he. You know, he jumped right back into things, and the chemistry and everything didn't Played change. Played twenty six minutes last night. So okay, that's, that's pretty that's perfect. And shot seventy percent from the field. Like that. That's yeah, dude. exactly what you want. Exactly what you're looking for, and it's just, it's, it doesn't have to get it into Kyrie's hands a hundred times a game. Like it, it just, there's something different about this team, and all I can think of is, it's a result of Kemba being what they needed Kyrie to be. It's an actual leader. And just be willing to share, because I mean, we talk about that all the time with Steph, right? With Ke- with getting Kevin Durant to come to Golden State, he was big enough to say, "I want to win. I don't want to feel this loss anymore. We need to go get Kevin Durant." You know what I mean? And right. It's like it wasn't about Steph necessarily, because you know that's it's funny because everybody will bag on Durant, saying, "Oh, well, that's Steph's team," and it was always Steph's team, and it is. But Steph also gets yeah. bagged on for the same thing for having to win by only bringing in Kevin Durant, and that's not. I mean, that's. I mean, which that's way different is and not not totally fair, but 
I just think that Kyrie is not, I've said it before, not a leader of men. I don't think he can lead guys mentally and, and emotionally um, and physically even to an extent. I think it's more of, hey, I'm, I'm the really talented, so I'm going to try to take over and do this all, all on my own, and that's my form of leadership. When it's like, I mean, mm. like I get it. Like you, I, I never question Kyrie's effort until the end there, but like he's, he's definitely a guy that uh, – effort's probably the wrong word. He's a guy that wants to win, right? Yeah. And he would try to be a leader with his play, and it just wouldn't work, and it pissed Brad Stevens off to no end. It pissed everybody off. They were all miserable. You saw more than me, but agreed. Well, I, I mean, like the the team though is more. Oh better. yeah, 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 for sure. Like those dudes, those dudes were fed up. Those dudes were more fed up with Kyrie than the Lakers players were with LeBron, and LeBron Dude. was way worse. Well, LeBron I think just, I think the difference. Was I mean, they knew that LeBron they, was just trading dudes. Like he was just playing GM. He wasn't actually like fucking them over on the court, really. Yeah, he was literally choosing like you do on the playground. You know, yeah, like it's not a, a good form of leadership when you're no. just basically just trading dudes like commodities and moving their families. But they also knew that that was the means to an end that they were going to get shipped out of, the, sure, out of there one sure. way or That's the true. other. So, I mean, I guess there is that. But I mean, I guess the same argument can be made that all those guys just knew this guy's going to be out of here no matter what. So let's just run the clock out on this. And to be honest, they did a pretty decent job with it. I mean, yeah, what are you really uh, going to do? It, like, it was, it was obvious what was going to happen. It was a smooth transi- transition, but, you know, they're they're looking like definitely one of the top contenders there in the East. I mean, obviously, we'll we'll see how things move forth towards the All-Star break, but the team that I am most impressed with, with in the uh, East, and I wanted to ask you kind of who you thought was most overrated and underrated, you know, com- coming into this, where we stand now, and I'll just tell you, my most underrated team, I think, is Miami, and I'm on that train that's been underrating them. I'm not not a buyer of you know Jimmy Butler being being a leader being a winner necessarily either but I'm being proven wrong here dude I'm I'm 100% with you that's been my biggest surprise when I've looked at just the body of work and the people they're doing it with I mean this is a scrappy ass Miami team but dude this this Miami team is typical of what something Pat Riley would put together that's true and that's it, true dude and Spolster knows how to work the pieces he always has Spolstra's an underrated coach, man. He gets oh, dude, no it's kind credit. of a Steve Steve Kerr type of thing where he had such great players. Yeah. That people don't understand. Like it takes a great coach to coach great players, right? Like maybe Phil Jackson's not the most sophisticated basketball mind ever. You know that. But <laughs> yeah, I'm not as he big. knew how to coach great players, right? And like mm-hmm. that's what Spolstra's that kind of guy, but I think Spolstra's actually a good X's and O's guy. I, um I would argue though with the, let's not get into the Phil thing. But okay, yeah. When you get, I, that, when that's you a get to, real. I forgot it's a real hot button issue. For no, me. it's not a hot button issue with me. It's <laughs> just more that when you get to coach Michael Jordan and Shaq, it gets pretty easy. You know, and Kobe and not Kobe. No, I, I'm it's just fun. saying, like those two of those. You know, yeah. like fucking. But he, you know, regardless, I'm, I'm how with you. Kobe. But I mean, Spolster, that that Miami but, roster was was a gift. But he did a well, fantastic yeah, but, job with it, and with the teams afterwards. But like, it's so like, look at like, think about like the situation that Steve Kerr walked into, right? Like mm-hmm. that situation coached itself, and it actually did. Whenever he was out for like a half season getting back surgery, I guess like, that's true. You know, like walked into a great situation. Spolstra had a situation where you had. You know, D Wade, you got Chris Bosch in there, and then you had to add a very young and upcoming LeBron. LeBron, it's not like you plug LeBron now into what they had at that point in time. Like, you know, he had to grow as a guy and he had to grow parts of his game and figure out how to work with 
true other guys and yeah, stuff like that. And he was just way more of a defensive player and slasher there there yeah. than he was a distributor. Now he's more of a distributor shooter and gets my spots when I want to. Exactly. And so I think like that's where I respect Spolstra more though than like I mean, I love Steve Kerr, don't get me wrong, but like in every you know, every situation is different that you sign up for as a coach. But like he took some of those I mean, Dwayne Wade wasn't easy to work with. He's a he's a good guy, I think, but he you know, I mean he's a he wants to win. And yep. you know he had to craft LeBron. He had to you know craft games around how to use Chris Bosh, and, and you know, there was a lot that he had to put together there. I respect the hell out of him for that, man. That's probably one of the more impressive coaching jobs I've ever seen out of anybody. Yeah, and he doesn't get thrown in as like an elite elite coach. Like he's good, but he's not elite. I think I think he's elite. I think he's elite. I have no problem with that take. Yep. So. uh I will say, so there is a few red flags on the Heat. They came out of the gates and they beat the Bucks in OT, which was a really impressive game. Uh, is their opening game. But as you look through their schedule, they're beating good teams, or excuse me, beating bad teams and losing to good teams. And that's always a little bit of a red flag for me when you don't have an incredibly talented roster. Like if the Clippers, the Bucks, the Lakers, te- you know, teams like that are losing – to, to good teams and beating bad teams. I'm honestly not as concerned as long as their record's fine and they get to the playoffs. You know what I mean? But with this Miami team being not incredibly talented and not really not proven at all, you look you look at their uh their their 16 and 5, I think 15 and 5. Their five losses are to the Nuggets, the Lakers, the 76ers, the Rockets, and the Celtics. So they're wow. losing to good teams. If you look at their wins, it's all your Orlando Magics teams. and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Right. That's kind of that. That's kind of a red flag. It is. Um, I think the big question for them moving forward is: Are they going to have success with Justice Winslow running the point guard? They have so far, and I mean, Josh pointed out that's a six-seven, two hundred thirty-pound small forward playing playing point, point guard. Yeah. Um, if they can have success with that, I think that's going to put them in a really good position because it makes them really, really versatile defensively. And they're getting great play from uh, Harrow and what's the other? Uh, is it none. Yeah, the yeah. other, uh, the other rookie. He's been he's been awesome. And Jimmy so, Butler's been. I mean, he's averaging just slightly more minutes per game than his career. Yep. At thirty, almost thirty-five minutes a game, he's shooting forty-three point two percent from field goal range and thirty percent from three. 84% free throw shooter, about 21 points a game, six rebounds a game. And That's kind of in line with his career. The percentages are actually down a little bit, but it's it's good enough. His assists per game are up significantly, though it almost doubled. That's good. That's so, good. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's facilitating more then. He's playing fine. He's playing like a guy that can be the second best player on on a championship team. I just don't think he can be your one, even on a really – like a really good team that has the right chemistry. Like how look at that Toronto team last year. That was a fantastic team with Kawhi. If you swap Kawhi and Jimmy Butler, that team does not win a finals. They don't get past the bucks there. No way. Right. So no like, way. that's what I'm trying to say. And th- these teams are constructed similarly, if not better, you know, the East is definitely a little better at the top five or six this year. I, I don't, I don't know. I have questions about them in the playoffs, but with Winslow running the point and the way they've been, mixing up these these starting lineups i really like it a lot or mixing up the rotation the starting lineups pretty much the same but buddy they're, they're, gotta, they're a team that i think is gonna 
finish with a really good record, and then we'll see what happens when it's you know gut check time. I mean, you've got Myers Leonard out there shooting fifty eight percent from field goal range and fifty two and a half percent from three. Dude, we saw him go nuts in the uh, playoffs last year when he had that one game where he had like thirty points in the first half. Like the dude can score in the right situation. I kind of like his contract too. They, they're they're already though they are the second highest uh, salary in the NBA. I think second or third. So they have a lot of bad deals there mm-hmm. that still aren't quite expiring. They got to pay Justice Winslow this year because his rookie deal's up. He's making three mil. You got to figure he's going to get. 14 to 16 somewhere in there mm-hmm. was Myers Leonard swapped in the the white side trade uh I, I believe so that would make sense I thought he was a free agent for some reason though um I do I well, his yeah no okay so he was his contract's actually a little a little rich for my taste but what is it I still I still think he's uh a pretty good player. I, I believe he's at 11, five this year. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. He's at uh 11, two, 11, two. Yeah. For how many more years? Just this year. It's an expiring. So he was, he was part of that package. So he's an expiring, you know, he'll probably get another four for 48 out in the open market. Mavericks trade. Mm, don't hate it, but not physical enough. Josh will argue four out of five Caucasians in your starting lineup is not a recipe for success. I would argue that as well. <laughs> but Miles Leonard is not what we need as far as physicality. We've talked about this. I think I, I want a little – he's a tall guy, but he's kind of a stretch as well, right? And I think we need more more of a physical guy. We gotta, we've got. we talked a lot about this. I don't know if it's a, if it's uh, Andre Drummond. I think it's a more athletic guy than that. But Steven Adams is what you need. Yeah, that's not bad. Can yeah. I get Steven Adams five years ago? That would be more ideal. Well, yeah, definitely. But Well – I, I agree with you about the Heat. I think they've been interesting overall. I, I don't know. I, I think they're, that, that schedule thing does tell a lot, and that's big Correct. with me too. So I, I'll be interested to see where they are around February. I really will, and to see how much we can really buy into this team. They're very fortunate the East is a weaker conference. Well, that's the thing is they still have the – they've had the easy, basically the easiest schedule in the NBA throughout this season, and they're going to continue to have that. Like it doesn't get any harder because their division is uh, Hawks, Wizards, Hornets, Magic. I mean, that's terrible. It's a terrible division. They gotta, they gotta fix that. That's just not yeah. right for the Celtics, 76ers, and Raptors, and Nets all having to be in one. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's not great. It's really not great. Um, have you watched much Toronto? Yeah, I've, dude. I'm, you know, I'm. I'm all about Toronto. I was all about Toronto last year. I still am. Like, I just, I think Josh convinced me that Nick Nurse is an elite coach or certainly in that conversation. And they still have the same team from last year, minus Kawhi Leonard. But guys are, Kyle Lowry's playing good. Van Fleet is playing out of his mind. He's leading the league in minutes, I think. Yeah, something like that. Like, he's really, really stepped his game up. And then Siakam is going to be probably the first ever back-to-back most improved player unless they just don't want to do that which is possible and not give him the award he's fucking the most improved player right now through 23 games i've seen some highlights of it i i truthfully haven't caught a lot of raptors games and not out of like not on purpose or anything like that i just haven't really caught Their games them. are usually early they're usually yeah. like the six thirty or 7 games so it's a little easier for me to catch some of the later games yeah exactly that's where i fall too but i mean They've yeah I mean I, I've definitely kept an eye on what these main guys are doing, 
And, I mean, even Norman Powell has been productive in a lot of different places this year. You know, and, like, there, there are a lot of... It's just a deep bench kind of team. It's got a lot of really good players on it. But, I mean, Norman Powell's playing 28 minutes a game. I mean, he's soaking up a good amount of minutes there. It's true. But think about what I said. Fred Van Fleet, uh, he's, if he's not leading, he's, like, top four in the league in minutes played. That's insane. Let me tell like, you. we were kind of clowning them for having him in the playoff rotation at the beginning of the last playoffs. Well, he hadn't at that point really done a whole lot to. Uh, he had pretty good regular season percentage wise. He just hadn't scored a lot because he hadn't played that much, but he was pretty solid. And I mean, he was a great player at uh, Wichita state. I know you're not like, I'm a kind of a college hoops nerd and he like was a really good player and had some clutch moments. So it wasn't surprising when it happened necessarily, but I never projected it because of the lack of athleticism at, for that level. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's I fair. I mean, Fred Van Fleet and me, and, walk, and me walk into LA Fitness, you literally might pick me up first. He's 6'1", 197. We're basically the same same size. Interesting. Like, he doesn't look like an NBA player at all is what, what I'm trying to say. So I got you. So I think uh, he was being slept on a little bit. I've got... All right, I'm looking now. So CJ McCollum is leading the league in minutes played, then Harden, then Pascal Siakam, then Devontae Graham, then Donovan Mitchell, then LeBron. Damn. Well, screw, screw well, my theory. Well, I think that was definitely he's, – so he's 16th right now, but okay. I, I think that they've decreased his minutes in the last week or two, I want to say, a little bit. Well, And Kyle Lowry's been out, so that's why Norman Powell's been getting so much play, but – you know, they're they have six guys in double figures, and then they got Siakam at 24 and a half, Lowry at 20, but he's missed some time. Well, I he's missed not, oh shit, 11 games, and then Flanfleet is at 18. I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And like, I would argue that just because, like, I don't know that, that if you look at like minutes played, if that's necessarily a good thing, like, not necessarily like, like, so think about the situation for these guys, right. Number one in 874 minutes played, C.J. McCollum. Portland has needed C.J. McCollum. Right. James Harden, same thing, 868. Pascal Siakam, same thing. And, like, you have to have these guys versus someone like Van Vliet that can lean on his team a little bit, and while he doesn't have to play as many minutes, he's still incredibly productive when he does. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, you can distribute... The minutes very well here because they have three, four, five, six. They have a legit nine man rotation, like yeah, a really exactly. legit nine man rotation. And they're like the only other team that I can think of that has a nine man rotation like that. It's probably the Clippers. Yeah. And Dallas does, but it's a lot worse. It's a lot worse. It's a lot younger, I would say. Yeah. Um, that's all I can really think of. That have as far a, as nine, a lot have eight, but I mean, you got nine really Siakam, Lowry, Van Fleet, Powell, Ibaka, OG, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who's having a great season off the bench, Terrence Davis, and Marcus Hull. That's a really that's, good It's a really good team. Yep. And I mean, you got Patrick McCaw in there as well, who's played in, you know, NBA Finals games. Yeah, exactly. He knows what's up. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's a good roster. I actually. I don't think they're – I wouldn't – like I said, I think Miami's being the most underrated. I don't think the Raptors are being underrated, though. I think people are taking them seriously because they have that, you know, that championship. All those guys, most of those guys on those team, that team, I should say, have a ring. So that makes a difference going through that experience. I think they're going to really 
make a push in the playoffs. That's going to be my dark horse again this year, just like it was last year to an ex- a little lesser extent last year. Okay. Um, talk to me about the Bulls. I've watched two Bulls games this year, and as much as you hate watching the Rockets, that's kind of how I feel about the Bulls. It's ugly, buddy. It's be- real ugly. I just – I can't take – watching Zach Levine try to run an offense. No, dude. He's not good at it. I mean, like, he is the typical AAU kid, the num- the first guy I'm trying to pick up on a on the playground, but not a guy like I'm trusting in a serious moment. Right. Yeah, like, he's not... I just, I don't know that he's ever really... It's almost like he's playing for different reasons than like the normal basketball player in a sense that like it's like he's out there to show off more than anything else versus like really go out and actually maximize some of his natural given talent does that make any sense yeah yeah it does and i mean that's the kind of feel i get from him no yeah that's what i'm saying that's the aau that's the aau thing he's just trying to flex out there like he's just trying to dunk and bang threes and to his credit he is shooting the lights out of the ball from three i mean he's 42 and a half overall uh, 80% free throw. He's shooting 39.6 from three. Like, he's he's hitting from three. He's averaging 22, you know, five, four and a half rebounds, four assists. People look at that and say, well, Kyle, how could you say, you know, he can't run an offense? Well, it's like, dude, it's four assists. You know yeah, what I mean? Look at what and it was listed as a guard forward, but – and Kobe White's supposed to be your point guard, and that's the guy who took seventh overall. He has 2.4 assists a game. He's not running the offense effectively. He's just not ready for the NBA yet. He's 19 or 20. Right. So Zach Levine lists him as a guard forward, and that's probably what he should be. He's still bringing the ball up the court a lot. And that that's the that's the issue for the team. I mean, I don't see them really improving until Kobe White develops. And I'm, I've watched enough of him to know if, if it's going to happen yet. I'm not overly bullish, though. I'm not really high on him, and I wasn't even when he got drafted there. I liked his I liked his play at North Carolina. I just thought I don't know he had a lot of talent around him, and they underperformed. So that can always be, you know, kind of a kind of a red flag. And then you got your boy Otto Ottoport Jr. Just eleven him, points dude. a game, forty one point. Everyone's like, oh, he's shooting forty percent from three. He's shooting forty one point seven from the field. That's terrible. That's terrible. And dude. he's making, I want to say, in the neighborhood of twenty six or twenty seven. A lot of fucking money, it, dude. He's on that Andrew Wiggins, you know, plan where he's gonna <sighs> kick his feet up for a couple years, and then all of a sudden, Andrew Wiggins good. is a couple tiers above Otto Porter Jr. Uh, no, I, I'm saying the the blueprint of him just kicking his feet up for a couple years. Got you. You know, on that first couple years of the deal, because what are they going to do? And then decide to turn on and you're at four and five and go land yourself another contract for some reason and then kick your feet up for a little bit. That's what right. it feels like Otto Porter Jr. does. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And then Laurie Markkinen is the last guy I want to talk about. And Wendell Carter's played fine. I mean, he's just kind of, he's at 12 and 10. Like, he, I think he's going to be a 15 and 11 guy for his career. Like, a good player, a good starter. Seventh or eighth overall pick. That's actually not a bust. People think you get you need a Hall of Famer there. If you can get a guy to get like two All Stars in that pick, you're you're doing better than most people are on a yearly basis. The NBA draft is is tough, um, but Markkanen is shooting thirty seventh percent from the field and thirty two from three. That's not mm. the step I think I was expecting. And I know Josh is a big marketing fans because he's a former uh arizona wildcat but yeah that's terrible dude 37.8 from the field when you're 7-2 is not good no that's not good at all and that's not 
I, I just like when I look at this roster, I have a hard time understanding what what's they the direction, put, like what they put together here. They've got like five centers. Yeah, like what are we doing? Like Wendell Carter Jr. is incredible. He's a great player, but like, I mean, it, He's it's a great hard. athlete. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he needs to be developed more, and I don't know that that's going to happen here. And I, I just having him on market and, and marketing on the court at the same time has got to be a nightmare. Like, I, yeah, it just, you it can't. Gets, <laughs> I mean, marketing's a stretch. Like, he he plays outside like KP. He's kind of like yeah. poor man's KP, but he's not shooting well, so he's not a threat really. Like, right. That's what I'm saying. But it's it's still taking up space for. I don't know. I just uh, there's nothing about this roster that I like that you can put together that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, they don't complement each other that well. I mean, I guess I kind of see the vision with having Markin as your stretch for Wendell as your anchor, Kobe White bringing the ball up, but then it's like your wings are Zach Levine and Otto Porter, and all they want to do is catch the ball and shoot 50 fucking times. So it's like I don't understand. It, yeah, how your your plan's going to work? I think you need better wings. There, I guess would be the the answer, or more defensive and shooting less selfish guys just more facilitating guys i guess more, i don't know more, more talent would be nice as well more talent's um, always good i think yeah that's not not a team i am uh i am bullish on at all and i actually went i think i went over their number this year which i'm starting to not feel as hot about what was their number though it couldn't have been i actually do have this i, I keep remember. i keep it i keep matter. mine and josh's notes up just to be on the on the safe side so i went over we did this early because I think it crept up to like 36, but we did Ooh. over 31. Ooh, I'd take under he, that. He went under. I went over. Yeah, I would have taken under that too, I think. Yeah. Trust me, I'm going to beat Josh on this based on how things are playing out, though. Okay. Not too worried about that. Josh also went even on two teams, which is such a Bush League thing. I'm actually excited that I didn't do picks with you guys because I'm just going to judge the hell out of whichever side I feel like at that point in time. Like, really, Josh? You didn't buy into the Clippers? You know, that kind of just, you know, the obvious things that really actually become obvious as the season goes on, not revisionist history. Type right, shit, right. You know, and just fucking fry him. And, and probably do the same thing to you. It'll be great. Yeah, Can't I mean, wait. We, we both, for the record, we both went over Clippers. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, and I went under Lakers because I was, you had me believe, believe and not to believe. We'll see. We'll see. I wouldn't be. <laughs> All right, dude, you're going to roast me on these. Maybe Josh is going to beat me. Yeah. Last one I'll bring up. I went over 47 Golden State Warriors. Yikes. That's tough. <laughs> Can't well, foresee Steph being out for the season, though. No, so for sure. These things happen. They do. So um, an another team that uh, we, I feel like we haven't touched on a whole lot that may be relevant in the East. I feel like they think they are and they want to be as the Pacers. Pacers. And, I mean, they're this is basically a situation where they're just holding on at this point until they can get, um, get Vic back in the lineup. And I've seen a lot of different, you know, time frames on that. But I guess it's, right now it's looking like it's going to be January. Um, once they get Vic in the lineup, though, I, I like – I like what this team can bring to the table. They're 15 and nine right now. So, I mean, they're weathering the storm pretty well. And to me, if you've watched them at all and you can pull up the stats and look at it, the, the story is Malcolm Brogdon. Mm -hmm. He's, I'll, I'll read you his stats in a second. He's having a fantastic season, but him bringing the ball up the court, I, I know he's listed a point guard and I guess he's technically a point guard, but with like that Bucks team, Bledsoe kind of ran it. He played off and Giannis, you know, has so much 
so many touches and just controls yeah. the ball a lot that he didn't he wasn't really a point guard and didn't feel like it. He's a true point guard on this team, and maybe that role changes when Vic comes back. But I think you throw Vic at the the two because he doesn't. Vic's not a great point guard. Like he's a good ball handler and um, he can run an offense fine. And he, obviously, a great defender can guard either either guard. But he's more of a two guy though. For right, sure. right. Yeah. It's like a Russ situation. Like you're not really a point guard. You can play point guard, but you're not. So let I would let Brogdon continue to bring the ball up the court. But um, you know he's at 19.1 points per game this year and seven and a half assists. Like go around the NBA and take a look. That is really damn good. Yeah, it's not probably bad. only two or three guys that are doing that in the NBA. But, okay, well, let me just tell you, Brogdon's shooting forty-seven percent and thirty-five from three, um, and he's had nineteen and seven and a half. I mean, historically, just anybody that can get you almost twenty points, seven and a half assists. I mean, I don't even need to really look at it. That's probably t- top ten uh, in the NBA in, in assists. So that's a huge step forward for him. And we were critical, especially myself, of this contract um, in the offseason getting. I think it was four for eighty. So that's a lot of money for a guy with you know known foot issues and he's 27 28 but i mean obviously really early into it it's looking like he's definitely worth that money so far so good anyway it does feel like a lot but i mean if we can continue to play up to those standards i mean you can you know you can make something of it i don't know what to think of this team really other than it just feels like if if something happens to brockton health wise this team's really kind of fucked I, I'm not, I've heard that I'm not as subscribed to that theory as as most people, um, and I'll tell you why. By the way, that's uh, good for tied for seventh in the NBA and assist. Um, pretty good, pretty pretty good, man. I'm really impressed by that, and he's a, obviously a terrific defensive player. So if something happens to him, is it going to hurt their team? Obviously, but you can you can kind of, I mean, you can argue Vic is better than Brogdon still. I mean, I don't think that's a crazy argument by any means. So they're 15 and nine with, without Vic, if Vic comes back, Brogdon goes down for a little bit. I don't, I think they can weather that storm as well. It's just not going to, he can't go out for the season. That would, that would certainly derail them to potentially a first round exit. Yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. It just, it feels like, I mean, when I look at like the amount of, games that Vic plays like he he's played majority of games obviously except for last year when he got hurt so it's like he's pretty durable it feels like I mean he's in Orlando he was playing 72 games a season yeah no I mean he's been relatively healthy his career I mean it's just you know bad bad injury last year uh, unfortunately but I think a guy that a casual fan definitely is not big on and if you're not watching these games you you on paper, it's not going to do much for you because you've just been in the hellhole of Phoenix for the last few years. TJ Warren's a really good scorer. TJ Warren can actually create his own shot uh, better than people think. And I, I would encourage people to watch the Pacers because I think they're a sneaky good team. You still got, you know, Jeremy Lamb and Doug McBuckets coming off the bench who are, who are decent players. Sabonis has been fine. You know, he hasn't, he's not his dad, right? Like he, that sure. that's an unfair comparison, but I think he's, a good player. I think he's a starter in the NBA, so I have I have no problem with that. And uh Miles Turner has been fantastic this year. Honestly, he's a true he's developed as, as a true rim protector. That's that's what they needed. I mean, yeah, he's getting you 11 points a game or something like that, but if you can protect the rim, that's more important. He's what Dallas needs. That's actually a really good one. I like that more. I like Miles Turner and he's young and 
from Euless, Texas, so a Dallas-Fort Worth kid. You're not going to get him away from this Pacers team, though. He's too important. Did yeah, they they locked him back up, I think. So, because he's he was on, he was coming off his uh, rookie deal last year. So let me take a look mm-hmm. at his contract situation real quick, because that would be an absolutely fantastic uh, fit. But as I've watched, like I said, as I've watched him play, I really like his ability to just be a rim protector when his guys get blown by, which isn't that frequent. So he's stepping up just in the, the moments where there's a defensive letdown of some sort. Cause it's an overall good defensive team uh, out, out on the wing. Yeah, man, Turner. Damn. He's only 23. No, he's a, he's a free agent this year. Interesting. I would, I would absolutely try to make something like that happen. Restricted free agent. Yeah, man. Yeah. And if you could get his, his bird rights too, that'd be even better. Hmm. Interesting. Projected sal- projected salary of eighteen to twenty million. I'm okay with that. That that's absolutely money I would spend. Like that's what Capella got. I think he's right on that tier. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. And he's not Clint Capella, but you don't. You just need someone that's more of the like the physical stature that can protect the rim. That's really what you need. And that yeah. way, that way you can leave KP to create in other ways oh wait excuse me he is making 18 million and it could rise to 20 not he could get 18 to 20 right he got a deal four for okay you got a deal in this offseason he was a free agent four for 72 so four for 18 that wasn't a projection he's just getting eight 18 million straight every year i would still do that deal yeah if we could trade for that man that'd be ideal but we don't have any no any picks because you can't go consecutive years we're gonna we're gonna be trading picks in the fucking 30s 2030 i don't yeah, I'll I'll play with that a little bit. I don't know if we, there's a way we can get that to work or not, but I'll play with it. I'll get this back is, to you on that. This is the Pacers are just a team I'm I'm higher on than most. I think like Pacers and Raptors both both intrigue me for a little bit of a playoff run to potentially upset teams like the Sixers, um, definitely the Heat, and uh, to a lesser degree, but potentially the Celtics as well. I, I think the you know talked to Nazim about the Bucks, but I think they are. A, you know, on fire, obviously, with 15-game win streak. Yeah, having lost three. The last thing I really want to talk to you about, dude, the, I, I, I've been meaning to actually talk to you about this for a few days, but I'm glad we got to it on the pod. The Knicks figured it out. They figured out the problem. Apparently, I'm told... It's David Fisdale. It's David Fisdale. It's not James Dolan. You didn't know dude. No, dude, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe we didn't think about it. Uh, so they fired David Fisdale. So things are going to be better now, I think, right? God, this just—he has to be the fall man, I guess. I mean, poor guy. <laughs> it's like James Dolan's. We know you're just firing that guy to make it look like that's the issue to buy yourself twenty more games that you're going to go four and sixteen in. Dude, the roster they gave him is just horrific, and I don't know how you fire any coach. With this fucking roster in front there's, of me. Yeah, here's four big men, three guys with no position and guys with no talent and figure out what position RJ Barrett's going to play. Go ahead. And figure out what to do with Frankie Smokes, Alfred Payton, Wayne Ellington, and uh, <laughs> Wayne Ellington. And God. Dennis Smith Jr., might I add. Oh, yeah. I See, it's funny because I was so on the DSJ train and now he doesn't even exist in my mind because of what Luca has done. Like, it's like the men in black hit me with that flash, and I just completely forgot DSJ was ever part of my life, which is honestly potentially for the best. You do you want 
Oh, man. He's averaging five points per game, bro. How many minutes is he playing, though? 17. That's nothing. <laughs> He's playing no minutes. Not good, though. It's not good. It's not, yeah, good. Not, not a positive sign for uh, for his career and the way it's trending. But 32% from field goal range, 29% from three. And he's averaging 56% from the line. That's horrific. That's horrific. They're also going to have four. Uh, the other four teams in their division that they have to all play four times is uh, four playoff teams. I already said it earlier. Boston, Philly, Toronto, Brooklyn. I mean, that's that's rough. They're going to get beat up on. They're going to go 18 and 64 this year. I mean, it's going to be atrocious. Dude, if that, they've only won four games. Like, this is just. This thing is one of the biggest train wrecks. I mean, you've got Taj Gibson on this roster. Josh and I were both under twenty-seven on that. Oh, I would, yeah, dude, I would have taken under twenty, <laughs> dude. You got yeah, Marcus I mean, I, I, we'll, we'll see who they bring in, but it's like, how do you even attract somebody to that job, right, dude? No, well, how nobody can you wants sell that. somebody on that job. Nobody wants that job. No players want to play for this team. They don't. You know who wants that job? You know who just wants to be a head coach so bad that'll take that job? Who's that? Jason Kidd. Oh man, no, I don't think so. I think he's. No, you think he's got a great situation. He's gonna wait Vogel out for sure. Yeah, he's he's just gonna be like, I'm gonna become the head coach of this. Yeah, dude, he's lurking in the shadows for sure. He, if Frank Vogel comes up missing, we all know what happened. Correct. Yeah, this is a situation <laughs> where you're gonna have to get like, dude. I. They've tried everything. It's not a coaching problem. No, it's a it's an. It's an ownership problem and a roster construction problem, right? And that starts with ownership. Right. I mean, think about who they've had through there. And, dude, I mean, (laughs) I I think that people have come around a lot on my take of Phil Jackson not being as good of a coach as people give him credit for because of how bad he fucked up the Knicks while he was asleep there. But, like, I, I... Even so, dude, I don't think that they've ever done anything that put any coach... like. I mean, Dan Tony was there not long ago. And like, I mean, we, we were talking about this the other day, like I, I, you and I were joking about something. I was like, oh, yeah, there was that one season where the Knicks won 53 games. What a fucking weird year that was, you know, and it's like, I mean, yeah, that was Amari and and Mello. And that was, yeah, that was Mello peak. That was Mello's best year of his career. No doubt about it. I mean, he was, I think he was like second or third MVP that year, which is insane. Dude, yeah, he was on another level at that point. That was right before he got paid, I think. And it just. It was. It's never been a situation where a veteran coach or a you know a young coach. I mean, they had Kurt Rambis as their co- coach at one point last year. God Almighty! Or maybe that was. Dude, two, they just that need, was we just need ago. to make, make free RJ shirts, man. You got to free him out of that situation. Like, Dude. so unfortunate to be drafted there because people have been pretty critical of him. He hasn't been great. I mean, obviously, it's twenty three games and we don't know what this kid's gonna be, but. You like look at the situation you gave him. You know, I mean, it's he's at he's at fourteen five and three on thirty two minutes. That's not great. He's shooting thirty nine and thirty one and fifty three splits. Fifty three percent free throw is alarming for a six six man. But but I just think being in that environment, being on that team, being in that situation is not good for anybody's no. development and quite frankly, probably their mental health. I mean, really and truly. Don't you think that the league should do something about this? Just intervene at this point and tell Jim Nolan, look, you've you've quadrupled your investment. You need We're to sell forcing a buyout. 
We'll buy the Knicks from you for $8 million. We'll give you double what they're worth, triple what they're worth, and please go away. But, dude, don't you think that – I mean, they dealt with this with the whole Donald Sterling thing when they tried to wrangle the franchise away from him the first time. And, like, you know, of course, David Stern didn't go through with it. But, like – Adam Silver and David Stern are a lot different, too. I agree with you. But I think that someone like James Dolan would be happy to drag that out in court for as long as he wanted to. He'd be that that asshole. Oh, yeah, dude. So the Knicks are a really valuable franchise. I mean, they're probably the the most valuable – NBA team except the Lakers. Absolutely, I think dude. They might be more valuable than the, the Celtics. Like they're not far off like Cowboys Yankees. So well, it's just because s- of where their fucking arena sits. <laughs> exactly. So if you say they're worth and you get Madison Square Garden, it's worth four million dollars. If the NBA came in and said, We'll pay you eight million dollars, because James Dolan got that for or well, his Billy, dad, excuse me. His dad I, got it. Yeah, or they that family got that for a lot less money, obviously, because of the way the NBA is taken off. So if it's a $4 billion you know, team and they offer you eight, why wouldn't you step away from that? And it, it would make sense for the league in the long term because a thriving, successful, exciting, well-run organization in New York City, like Should put the Spurs in New York City, it would be triple that. incredible what it would do for revenue. That's my point. It's worth $4 billion, by the way. That's what I just said. Wow. Yeah, sorry. I think okay. I heard that. Stat. Maybe there's no way I pulled that out the air. Either way, you. so he comes in and says, we'll give you eight. Or, like, we'll give you six, right? Like, we're going to give you a $2 billion Profit. overpay. Yeah. See ya. I, you don't think like, you do it? I don't think. Well, so it would be tricky, though, because of the, like, he, because the thing is, Madison Square Garden is its own business entity. Because the thing is, he owns the Rangers, too. That's right. So, like, Shit. it. Well, I mean, you could work something out where you could <laughs> three team trade. We're gonna buy. We're gonna buy all the Rangers too. Yeah, exactly. Let's take them all. Yeah, but we the Rangers get this guy out of here, dude. Ironically enough, he actually does a better job with the Rangers than he does the Knicks. But <laughs> yeah, they've been competitive. Yeah, don't. It's pretty crazy. But um, I just I, I you could work out some sort of deal with him where he has an ongoing stream of revenue, with like rent, and I mean, he would obviously you would pay a lease and all that stuff to Madison Square Garden. But I mean. At the end of the day, that still has him in the league's hair, just at a different capacity, and the option to be much more of an asshole somehow. Dude, I mean, his approval rating is about as low as it gets. This is like we're entering like Bill Cro- Bill Cosby territory here. I Dude. mean, he if you send out a waiver to NBA, a million of the biggest NBA fans in the in the world, said you know, vote yes or no for James Dolan relinquish rights of the New York Knicks, it would be an astounding yes. I agree with you. I like I, I struggle with this a lot because like we're so much in basketball all the time. You don't think people realize how bad he is? I feel like Do you think people I know agree who with he, that? Do you but think I, people know I think in the northeast in the greater New York area, I think definitely people understand how poorly that team is ran and it starts with him. True, but do you think people even really know who he is? If you think like if you zoom out of what we know and everything, there's a good as, chance that like as far as him as a person, not even just an yeah, owner. Well, yeah, and just like his band and the kazoo and all that. Like that's <laughs> like as funny as and we, I mean we bring that up all the time because it's fucking hilarious. But like I don't know that a lot of people know about that. You know that's what I mean? True. That's fair. So it's kind of hard for me to like zoom out and I just wonder if a lot of the average fan knows even who he is. I don't know. I have no idea. But I think you're right. I think the market knows a lot more about it. I just Who's I, worse, him or Robert Sarver? Dude, him, and it's not even close. Mainly just because of how you've ruined 
that situation because of the market once again. Correct. Like Phoenix is an understandable, tough place to draw a crowd and you know that kind of thing. Even though it's a, I mean, it's a historic well, franchise. I was going to say, you know, how we just talked about or earlier. We we're talking about made big markets. I don't consider Phoenix a big or a small market. It's in that medium market category Correct. to me. Yeah. But there, it's like the sixth most populated city in the country. And I had no idea about that. It's crazy, dude. It really There's is. more people in Phoenix than Atlanta and Boston combined. Yeah. How about that? That's a stat. That's my head up. That's, that's a stat. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I believe it though. Um, I, I just, I, I look at that though. And it's like, while Robert Sarver's made a lot of poor decisions and stuff, I, I just don't think that he manages to stumble and, his like dude like james dolan has gotten into it with x players like that's true and i mean it, i feel like they hit on booker and Aiden. like i feel like those are good picks like you they yes. don't really have any good picks to show on the knicks and and when you do you trade it away right for nothing for dsj I, for and then Dennis play him 17 minutes to get five points it's fucking terrible Really is West West Matthews and all those dudes not on the fucking team anymore. Well, the Wilpons sold the Mets, so maybe we'll we'll see something similar happen in the NBA. We'll see, but uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap things up. It's uh, it was a good episode, man. I was sad to uh, have not had Josh here, but I think he'll be back next week, something like that. Yeah, I'll be back next week. It was fun, kind of cruising the East. I know we stay out west a lot, which is natural as most most people that cover this do because it's a better conference, but it was fun being in the East today. Absolutely, man. We're going to spend more time there. There's a lot more interesting stuff going on than we probably give credit for. So anyway, all right, we'll get out of here. We'll see everybody next week. Later.